Right. And so this morning, you can go to two places in your Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And then I'm going to go to John. It's the last chapter in the Gospel of John. John chapter 21. I'm going to go from verse 10 through 17. And so when we say change, you know, what, what do we actually mean? And so I want to talk about that. Romans chapter 12 in verse 12. And it just says, don't copy the behavior or the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let, let me just back up and I'm going to come back. How many of you know that we can't, when you copy, what that means, it says don't be, another version says don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What he's saying there, Paul's speaking this, he says don't be impressed or let the image of the world press you. It's like being pressed like a coin. We, go, we put it to a press and you press it and, and everything looks the same. Everybody's the same. But what, what he's saying is don't allow the world to make you like everybody else. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to die. But anyway, don't let the world make you. Be, don't, don't allow that to press you and you become just like everybody else. You become like fish, dead fish floating downstream rather than a live fish swimming against the currents of this world and the things that they tell you you have to do. You know what I'm talking about. And so what he's saying here, he says, be transformed the way you think. How many of you know that sometimes we have stinking thinking come our way? Come on. I mean, sometimes we don't want people to see what's, what we're thinking about. Okay, y'all pray for me. But see, sometimes, how many of you know that you can even read the Bible and you can think about things you shouldn't be thinking about? Or you have thoughts that come your way. Why? Because it's the enemy. He's trying to distract you from what God's wanting to speak to us. And so sometimes we need to, we need to go, God, I don't want to be conformed. Because when you're conformed, when you become like the world, you think like the world, you act like the world, and you speak like the world. And what he's saying right here is when you learn to know God's will for you, this is what God's will is. You, go, you know, God's just out to get me. God's out to make my, me miserable. God's not out to The Bible says, which is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. Think about it. God's will for you is to bless you. He thinks about the good of you. You see, how many of you know that it's easy for us to see the bad in all of us? Rather than God looks at us from a different perspective. You know, it's like as parents, how many, how many parents do we have in here? How many of your children are just wonderful? They're precious, they're sweet. You just love them. They can do stupid things, but that you love them, right? Come on. How, that's how do you think the God, the father feels about us when he looks at us? He just loves us. He goes, yeah, you know, in Cajun, he's Kanai, but I still love that little, that little rascal, you know? You know, she does this, but I still love her. And if God loves, you know, as parents, we love our children. And what we do is we try to bring discipline or we correct them. Hello. And correction should be, it does two things. It either makes, when you're corrected, you could take it as rejection. You know what I mean? Or correction. And the correction should bring direction for our life. Amen. And so God wants us, God constantly wants to reveal himself. And what he's talking about, that change, that transformation is like this. It's a picture. It's where they get the Greek, where the Greek word, where the, the Greek word in there uh, talking about change means this, a metamorphosis. It means like, it means like a caterpillar being changed, going into a cocoon and changing to a beautiful butterfly. And that's what happens. See, religion can't change you. How I many of you have tried that? Religion can't change you, but a relationship with Jesus can change you from the inside out. And what happens is, it's like God saying, he said, when I bring my change inside of you, 
You go from a, a, just a caterpillar to having something beautiful because God's will for you is good and it's perfect. Amen? And he wants to take you from whatever you were, just an ugly-looking little caterpillar. And what a caterpillar is, just eat leaves, you know, all day. But what happens is the same way with us. Sometimes when we get the word of God in us and we begin to allow the word to do something and we feed ourselves on the word of God, this book right here, all of a sudden something's taking place on the inside even though we don't see it. Amen? But after a while you get this in you, all of a sudden there's a change that begins to take place on the inside. See, I want to talk to you about a guy that I think, you know, I think that all of us can relate to. And all of us have heard about in the Bible, his name is Peter. How many of you know that, that we know a few things we can relate to Peter? How many of you know he was passionate? I mean, he, he was into something. He was passionate. He was just into it. And then how many of you know that, that Peter was also said some stupid stuff too? So I can relate to him. I'm passionate. I'm a passionate person. Come on. Uh, well, yeah, that's good, Pastor I'm a passionate person, but I've said some stupid things, and I've done some stupid things. You know, when I preach, my wife looks at me on the front row sometimes and goes, that was stupid. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he did that. I can't. I'll talk to him after. She doesn't correct me all the time, but she's, babe, you can't say that. And so what happens is we know that Peter, the life of Peter, let me just break it down into a few things everybody knows. First of all, we know that he was called. How do we know? We know that he was looking for a place to preach. His brother Andrew came and told him, hey, I met, the, I, met the, I met the Messiah. I met the Christ. I met the one, the sent one. And he says, hey, man. And so he brings him to the village. And there's people that Jesus wants to talk to. So he gets in Peter's boat and Andrew's boat. And he begins to preach his people off on, on, the sh- on the shore. And he begins to say, speak to them. And then he tells Peter to cast his net. And Peter's a professional fisherman and goes, look, buddy, I've been doing this all night. And you tell me to cast. You, all right, stick to preaching. Don't get into my world. You ever have people like that? Get out of my world. I know more than you think I, you know. I mean, you know, come on, get out of my world. But Jesus gets in his world, throws out the net, and we know what happens. There's so many, he had to get his friends. The net was breaking, and he bows down. He goes, I'm a sinful man. Get out of my boat. And he said, I'm going to make you. He said, you follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. And so we know that he followed him. We know that we know that we know the water story. You know what I mean? I mean, he walked on the water. He saw Jesus come through a storm and he walked. And he said, hey, can I go meet you, Lord? And he begins to walk. And then we know that he begins to see the surroundings and he begins to sink and Jesus rescues him. We know that, that out of all the disciples, when Jesus looked at the disciples one day and he goes, who do people say that I am? And some people go, oh, some say people say Elijah. Some people say that. And Peter just goes out of the blue. He goes, you're the Christ, the sent one from God. And Jesus looks at him and says, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter. My father, who's in heaven, has revealed that to you. We know that we know also this, that he denies Jesus. Can you imagine? He denies him three times. He's a Galilean. He's hanging around with all these other guys. And it'd be like someone being from Eunice. How many of you know that people from Eunice have an accent? Go to Missouri. They'll tell you you have an accent. That'd be like Jesus going to Missouri and Peter being there and they're bringing, he's going before the Sanhedrin that they're going to judge him. And, and, and they, look at, they look at Peter and they go, hey, you look like one of them. Man, I'm not one of them, them. And you sound like them too. 
Come, I mean, it depends where you're from. Come on, you sound like, and he said, like, you sound, no, I'm not him. I'm not, I'm not one of the five. I mean, he denies him. But we, not just once, but three times. But we know that there's a moment, and I'm going to talk about that moment. There's a moment that takes place in Peter's life, and all of a sudden, everything changes. We know that in that moment, after that moment, he, gets, he goes to the upper room. He gets filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that he goes back, and he begins to proclaim. He doesn't deny Jesus. He begins to proclaim Jesus. And the Bible says, as he proclaims, as he begins to preach, all of a sudden, we know that the Bible even says it's the foolishness of the cross. It's preaching the foolishness of the cross that draws men. It's the foolishness of preaching. He begins to preach, and people come to know God, thousands of people. Not only that, he, he begins to lead churches and start churches, and all. And not only that, he influences leaders, and he writes two books in the Bible. There's a critical moment with Jesus that could that 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 could have changed it all, and now that's what I want to throw something here, and it's between denies and Pentecost, or he begins to preach. What is it? You know, I believe this is that without this moment, I don't think any of us. I don't think I don't think if any of of this even happens, none of it. And so, what I want to do is, how many before I go in there? How many of you remember the movie? I'm gonna date us a little bit, Back to the Future. Okay, and you remember he goes back to the year, he goes to the future, and he goes back to October 21st, 2015. And you remember when that date was getting close and all the news is going, do we have hoverboards, do we have this? They have the tennis shoes that lace up by themselves and people trying to figure it, all these things out. But remember the scene when the future changed and people start disappearing in the photographs? You remember that? Okay, even when he's playing Chuck Berry rocking, he's rocking and everything else. And he's changing. He's trying to bring them back in the picture. And so what, what we are making, I believe this, you make decisions today that influence your future and other people's future. How many believe that? Don't think you can just get away with things. You affect the future. You see, have you ever had a moment like that where that's, that's what's happened? And that's what happened to Peter. He had a moment. And see, Peter's story... Could, could have looked radically different if he wouldn't have had this one thing, if he wouldn't have had breakfast with Jesus. He wouldn't have had breakfast with Jesus. I want you to go with me to John chapter 21. And here it is, John chapter 21. And John, we know this, if you read, it's different than all the other gospels. You've, if you've heard me preach before, and I always tell people this, there's five gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And most people don't read them, but they'll read the fifth gospel, and that's you. You're the living gospel. And so what happens is, in this portion of Scripture, John, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught, you've just caught. Now see, what happened, these guys have gone back to fishing. They got discouraged. Jesus Jesus has been crucified. Okay, and they're, they're discouraged, so they go back. Isn't it amazing how when we lose step with Jesus, we go back to the very things that God called us out of sometimes? Hello, anybody know what I'm talking about? We just go do the things that we used to do before Jesus changed our hearts. Am I in the right church? Okay, y'all talk back to me. You can put a lot of hanky every once in a while and say, I surrender. I don't care. But here's what happens is that we see right here that Jesus wanted to make them fishers of men, and they forgot about that. Isn't it amazing how we lose step? And see, verse 11, he says, so Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. In other words, Jesus said, go get the fish. 
And if you read all the other stories, when Jesus cast, told them to cast out the net, they had to get other people. But this time, Peter knew who it was. He knew it was Jesus. And I believe this. When God calls you to do something, you, you know what? He'll give you the ability to, to carry or do what he's called you to do, no matter what. And what happens is we see this. Here's something interesting. I wanted you, It's full of large fish. And it says 153. Why did they put 153? You know there was 153 different species of fish in the Sea of Galilee? He pulled out every different species you could, you know, some people, if you were from here, man, that's a sakale. I like to eat them and fry them. Man, that's a catfish. That's a blue. I got, that's a blue catfish. You know what I mean? You can just go down the list and there are people going to hand out. It's what we know what happens right here. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. I like this. This is what this is this is what we're after during this series. Jesus inviting you. Have you ever had those moments where it's a Jesus moment in your life? Come on. Have you ever had those moments where Jesus just walked up into your life, into your moment, into your space, and you know it was him? How many of you have had those come to Jesus moments as well? It's time for me to come to Jesus. Pastor Jamie wants to have a meeting with you. It's time to come to Jesus. You know? And what happens is right here, look what happens. Peter's busted. He's quit. He's gone back to fishing. Imagine how awkward that must have been. You know what I mean? I mean, he knows it's Jesus. No one's identifying. We're going to see it in the story. He's just quit. How many of you have ever been discouraged? Okay. I'm, okay, let me just go there. How many of you have ever just been really discouraged? You're like, I quit. I, that, that's it. I'm done. I'm, come on. I'm throwing in whatever it is at work and your marriage with your children. You know, I brought you in this world. I'm going to take you out. I mean, I mean, all those different things. But we see right here, you see, even discouraged. I, you know, I was reading some stuff about Martin Luther King a couple, you know, last weekend was MLK Day. And I, I read this quote. It says, and I think about the pressure of his life and what he was doing. He felt the call of God to, uh, to bring reconciliation. And this is what he said. He said, living every day under the threat of death, I feel discouraged sometimes. Living every day under extensive criticisms, even from Negroes, I feel discouraged sometimes. Yes, sometimes discouraged, and I feel my works in vain. But I love this part. How I many there's there's some good buts in the Bible, and there's good buts in your and your in your life. And he says, but then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. You know, I know that God gives us a window. Into this conversation. And look what he says. Now none of the disciples dared ask him. Who are you? Jesus came and took the bread. And gave it to them. And did the same. With the fish. Where did that happen? We know that. We know the story of the fish and bread. We know the last supper. It was bread and fish. And so what happens is. He comes in. He's saying this. This is now the third time. Jesus appeared to his disciples. After he was raised from the dead. Imagine how tense this must have been. They weren't, they weren't sure what Jesus was going to say. How many of you ever been in trouble and your mama's not happy? And you just don't know what she's going to say. How many of you are talking about? You kind of. Especially you come in late. You go, man, I better, the boards better not creak today. Mama, you know what I mean? 
I remember getting locked out of my house sometime in the middle of the night and I had to go knock on my brother's window. And I would try to die. And he wouldn't hear, but my mother would. And she would greet me at the door. That wasn't fun. They weren't sure if he was going to rebuke them. He corrected. How many of you know he corrected Peter more regularly and more strongly than any other disciple? When you read the Gospels. I remember my mother's 70th birthday. There's nine kids in our family. And my stepfather got up and he said, today we're going to ask our son, who actually gave us more hell, more problems than we had to deal with, than all of our children, other children put together. And then he looked at everybody and he said, but. You will never believe this. The reason I'm asking him to pray because now he's a pastor and he's helping people that were like him. And, you know, it's like, see, when they see, look what it really says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? Notice he calls him Simon and not Peter. Because, see, Jesus just changed his name because of his faith and understanding to Peter. But, see, he wasn't that guy right now. How many of you ever been in a low state in your, in your, in your life and you don't feel like, like you anything? You feel like you're a barnacle on the bottom of a shrimp boat in Delcom. Okay, that's pretty bad, all right? I've got relatives in Delcom, Pastor Bob. But think about that. He wasn't addressing the upgrade, the best version. He was talking to him in his lowest moment. How many of you ever been in just in a low moment? And he says, yes, Lord. He said, you know, I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. You know, in the Greek, there's four kinds of love. There's a love. The first kind of love is like, I love dogs. I love cats. I don't like cats. But anyway, I love dogs. I love rats. I love things. I, I mean, I love furry things. I just love things. Then there's a the kind of love that it's a sensual love. It's eros. Then they have brotherly love, which what you get the word Philadelphia from. It comes from the root word philos, which means love like you love your brother, or your sister. And then there's the love of God, which is agape in the Greek. It means it's 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 willing to sacrifice and not be concerned about what it goes through. Willing to sacrifice. Through. It's the highest form of love there is. It's God's love. And what happens is he says he answered less. Lord, you know, I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Look what it says. And it has to be, and it just says, it says, Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus asked him three times, why? Because he denied him three times. The Lord will meet us wherever we're at. How many of you believe that? You know where God met me in my cry? In the middle of a concert in Baton Rouge watching Journey, Police, and the Babies. Seriously. What? It was some bad drugs, but also I met God. I'm just telling you that right now. But in the moment... In that moment, God spoke to me and I lost my high because I was at a place that I just needed God. Sometimes God loves us enough that, you know, he'll come meet you right where you're at. Come on. 
He loves you enough and he'll go with you as far as you want to go. Let me just tell you something. You're as close to God as you want to be. You're as godly to God as you want to be. Your marriage is good as you work at it and as you want it to be. Come on. You know, we, we waiting for like the song feelings. There's nothing more than feeling. We want feelings, feelings, feelings. There's nothing wrong with feelings, but you can't base life on feelings. You can't base your life on, you know, man, I've got a buzz, man. Buzzes come and they go and you want more. But when God comes and he touches you, it's a whole nother thing. Sometimes Jesus loves you enough. He'll keep asking you to get to the deeper issues of our life and of our heart. The thing that I want to talk to you about this morning, three things and I'm going to be done. How, how God changes us. How God changes us. If you're not taking notes, you might need to get a pen. And I'm just some helpful things, okay? The first thing, God initiates a moment. Listen to me, of honest assessment. What does that mean? Jesus is not bringing up the past, talking about the, about the denials. He's, he isn't, isn't it amazing how we think God is going to treat us when we blow it? You ever do a personal assessment of yourself? You start telling your wife, I think I'm like this. And I'm like, you ain't like that. No, you ain't. And they start telling, well, I think I'm, the, baby, you ain't like that. That's totally not you. And then they go, this is you. You see, we're not good at assessing ourselves. Hello? We need Jesus to tell us where we're really at. See, if I compare myself to myself, I'm okay. I'm cool. Then I compare myself to other people that are worse than me. Well, at least I'm not like them. Because we, we want to easily compare ourselves to other people that we think are less than us. Come on. I'm in the right church. And then, when, then we try to compare ourselves to ourselves, and that's not too good. And see, we're good. We're, we're not good at assessing ourselves. We need Jesus. And Peter, Jesus tells Peter to come and have breakfast. How many of you know we're all one step away from stupid? Okay, let, let's do a survey. How many of you have ever said something stupid before? How many of you have done something stupid before? How many of you go, you know, Pastor, this week I did something stupid. Now, put your, how many, you know, maybe you're married to someone and you go, Pastor, they are stupid. Don't raise your hand. I mean. Or they go, man, they've done stupid stuff. And can I just share it? No, you're not. See, we overestimate our ability and we underestimate our potential to blow it. What do you mean? We overestimate our ability to do this. Oh, I can do that. I can do that. And we underestimate our potential just to blow it. See, if you're really going to experience a genuine transformation, you have to get really radically honest or brutally, brutally honest with yourself. See, what do you mean by that, Pastor? If you're, if you're resistant, it's, it's usually painful when you find out how far off you've gone. You see, I've learned that I can't, I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and said, Pastor Bubba, man, Pastor Bubba, I just need to change. I just need to change. I have a guy, Jamie knows him, been in our church for a little while now. His name's Billy Knight. His father was a judge in Jennings area, Lake Arthur, all Jeff Davis Parish. He was a judge. 
And for years, Billy just had a struggle with drugs. Then one day, him, he's trying and talking to him and trying to reach out to him. He said, Pastor, you just want to leave me alone. Then he's out one day in the hood and he gets arrested and he has a little girl with him. Okay? And they got to call his wife. He said, Pastor, he calls me Pastor, Pastor B. Pastor B, that was the lowest moment of my life. Now he's leading a life group. His marriage has been reconciled. He has they had another child. He's like on fire for Jesus. I'm walking through the park the other, uh, in November, December. And that's when you could actually have pictures that I was wearing a jacket. It was cold. Actually, it was cold. And I, I mean, and, and, and I'm walking by and there's a guy that, that's done some work on my house. And I know his daddy real well. And people in the family. And, and he goes, Pastor, and he goes, Pastor. He asked one of my guys in the church, hey, man, is that Pastor Bob? I had a, I had a funky, my, my, I had a hat that I brought back from England I was wearing. And I had my beard. And he hadn't seen me like that. And he goes, is that Pastor Bob? And, and he goes, yeah, that's Pastor Bubba. Ah, and he comes in, Pastor Bubba. Pastor Bubba. I go, hey, Chris, what's up, man? He goes, Pastor Bubba. I messed up, man. Whatever Billy has, I got to have it. Whatever Billy has, Pastor Bubba, I got to have what he has. He said, these Roxies are breaking me and my marriage. I got to have what Billy has. I said, hold on, hold on. This is what Billy has. Let me tell you what Billy has and you got to have. First of all, your life's like a tent. Unless you got things holding it down like tent pegs. When the wind blows and old friends come by or you smell something familiar. Or you hear about somebody, man, they got some good stuff. Or That's where you're going. You're not having anybody hold you down and ask you the questions that you're trying to avoid. Because the Bible says this, better are the wounds of a friend rather than the kisses of an enemy. Your friend will look at you and go, that's stupid. You're going to mess up your marriage. You're going to mess up your children. You're, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't change. Your friends will go, oh, come on, man. I mean, y'all just gonna, little head ain't going to hurt. Little dab do. That's for the Flintstones. Hey, look, can I tell you something? Look at me. I'm going to be honest with you. I have six kids. All my kids have been raised incredible. You know, that's Jamie. My wife and I are great parents. I have one in jail right now because of drugs. He's stealing things to get, and he knows better. And I had to press charges on him on the last time. And he's at a point in his life where he's going, man, dad, something got to, you got to change, son. You got to change. And there's a path we're working on to try to help him to bring the change. But the one thing I've realized in life, I can't get you. And I tell this all my children, listen, daddy will always be there to help you, but I'll never get you out of your consequences. And when you start getting your kids out of the consequences, they're going to keep doing more and more and more. There's got to be change that takes place. It pains me to say that, but I just got to be brutally honest with you. All right. You see, I believe that I can't, I can't tell you how many times that's happened. Well, people won't change. And I, I'm just here. I'm just say this. That guy, Chris, he said, call me. I've called him. Billy's called him. He still hadn't changed. He hadn't, he hadn't gotten desperate enough. 
He wants to change. You ever have that? Where you just go, I need a change. There's a cry in your soul. There's a cry going, I got to change. Listen, change happens when you, it's that imaginary line in the sand when you step over. And you say, today's the day. That means you got to get brutally honest with yourself. You can't assess yourself. You need other people to look at you and help you. Amen. When I first started preaching, I went to Bible college. I remember the first time I ever preached. They gave me a C plus. I was mad. I was thinking, they, they don't. I got the anointing. I got the call of God on my a C plus. But see, I had assessed myself. And then they started helping me. And, and I realized, well, you know, if there's some things I can do that they're help, they're just trying to help me be better. Come on. And see, I believe this. You know, if you want change, you got to get plugged in. Get plugged into a life group here at this church. Get plugged into Next Step right after this, this service. There's a Next Step class going. Find out. Get some direction. Get some purpose in your life. Find a place where you can find and connect with people. Because church is not about just church and sitting in a, on a chair. Church is about having a spiritual family that love you, that help you, that encourage you, to call you up and call you out and help you get direction in your life. Amen? The second thing that I want you to understand is you need to realize it's the power of God's love that changes you. The greatest force in the universe is the love of God. There's no greater force, no nuclear weapon. The greatest force in the universe is God's love. When you experience it, every Sunday we as pastors, Pastor Jamie, Pastor Zach and Crowley, Pastor uh, Josh and Jennings, and myself when I go to, to the campuses and, and, and share, we always, we're constantly saying, man, God loves you, and we do too. But sometimes we just don't believe that because we hear all those other voices that are trying to keep us from change. See, the number one reason people don't change is because they think They think change is by working harder or doing more. That's what they think change is. I got to work harder. I got to do more. See, when you encounter God's love, I just say you change forever. How do you know that, Pastor? Let me me just get, you know, when you, when you change, when you fall in love. I know guys in high school that never took a bath and never brushed their teeth, fell in love with a girl and they brushed their teeth and combed their hair. Come on. You change for what you love. Come on. I mean, you sacrifice for what you love. I know guys that have made tremendous sacrifices just to show that their, their wife loved them by getting them earrings that were expensive. No matter how to diamond, pearls, whatever, rings or a, a car or trucks. In our part of the country, trucks, baby. When something is important enough, you find a way to make it happen. Just find a way. Like my son, uh, my youngest son, Luke, he's got a hunting buddy, and they, they've been killing squirrels like crazy, and, and they eat them and cook them, and they're working on their recipes and all that. And, man, and they've got this itch, we need a boat. Man, we need a boat. We go down the bayou and catch fish. We can eat that. And get, you know. And so they're, they're, they're doing all this. And the other day he goes, Dad, and he's got money. He goes, Dad, Cole and I are going to buy a boat. I go, son, buy a boat? Son, let me tell you, in South Louisiana, they got more people. They got abandoned boats in their backyards than any place in the world. There are places you can go and go at, knock on a guy's door and say, hey, man, can, you, can we have your boat? 
And so they, they were out hunting yesterday, and they see a boat on the next. And the dad, do you know that guy? He calls me. He goes, we're going to knock on his door. My wife goes, you don't even know who he is. Baby, he's a nice guy. But you don't know. I mean, like, baby, let them go and knock on the door and ask. Now, he went home. But I learned more about asking when I was young and doing things because I said, you know, baby, here's the thing. If they get one, they're going to repair it, make it look good. Because my third son did the same thing. And you know what? They found out they can get a boat. Someone's going to give them a boat. They go, but now we need a trailer. <laughs> then they're thinking, man, well, you know what? You know what? We can rig up the bike and we can pull it. If we find a trailer. We can rig up the bike with the trailer and we can pull it. To, so they're, they're thinking, you know what I mean? And we, if we do it right, we can have two bikes and we, it'll be easier. But once we get there, we need a motor. Then they found out someone has a motor and all they need to do is fix a carburetor. And... Okay, look at me. Why am I saying all that? Because when you got vision and you want to do something, you want to bring change, you're going to do whatever you got to do. Don't sit here and go, well, you know, I can't change. See, that's the thing. Some of you don't change because you're living in regret. Some of you are living in change. You won't change because you're living in fear. And some of you don't want to change because you know it's going to hurt. It's the stretch. It's like that old saying, no pain, no gain. You see, lasting change isn't about taking the bad stuff. It's about, it's about just putting the good stuff in. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you ever had something that was so good, you just can't wait to taste it again? Listen, if Miss Barbara Gotro, she fixes all my pants, because I'm short, so every jean I get, I got to get them trimmed, you know. She'll trim my shirts, making me look good and everything. And I'll, Miss Barbara, can I, no, you my pastor. I ain't going to charge you nothing. But then sometimes she'll say, Pastor, I'm going to bring some chicken fricassee by your house. I go, oh, Jesus, I feel the glory of God right now. Oh, I'll speak in tongues just for that. I mean, just. Because you know what? And then my wife is always trying to go. Hey, is my chicken fricassee as good as Miss Barbara's? Now, my wife's a great cook. Jamie knows that. I go. You want me to be really honest? You're getting better, but it's just, it's, you know, it's like that secret sauce. There's just something in it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's kind of like love. You know, see, when you're trying, it's not quite as good as when it's just unadulterated love. I love it when my wife comes in and she just kisses me and says, what was that for? She goes, I just love you. Wow. See, the kingdom life is the best life. You will never be fully fulfilled unless you're living in Jesus's love. What do you mean? Yes, we need to change, but it's not trying harder. It's experiencing the love of God more and more in our lives. Amen. It's not just about it's not about being in a, a building. It's more experiencing God and experience his love and his heart and his purposes for our lives. And the last one. Change is a process. How many of you know that? You don't just change overnight all the time, but it is a process. If you won't change, but it starts. Here's what it does. It has to start with the first step. You got to make the step. 
What does that mean? That means you've got to be honest. You've got to be real. Jesus asked him, do you love me? Then let's get back in the game. That's what he's saying. If you love me, he said, feed my sheep. In other words, he's saying, if you love me, it's time to get back in the game. What do you mean? You ever see the pictures of Jesus holding that little sh- uh, that, that shepherd's staff? Well, there's one with a crook, and there's one at the end. It's called the rod. The crook is, is like as a pastor, I've learned this. It's like when people start going astray, you kind of go, you try to grab them when you can, and you go, hey, come on. It's time to get in the game. Get back. Get back. It's not about church. It's about you letting God touch you. And let God do something in your heart. But I'm here to help you. It's time to get back in the game. Instead of coming at you stupid. I can't believe you did. You know what I'm saying? You're going, I ain't going back to that church. But when you have someone that's like looking out for you. and go, Come on. And then the other side is the rod. And the rod is for when you see something not good coming around them. Or stupid people hanging around. You look at them and you go. You don't need to be hanging around that person. Are you hearing me? I mean, I remember my mama coming to me and she goes, you can't hang out with Jay Duyon. He's a bad influence. But then she didn't know I was influencing him. But she was thinking he was influencing because I told her he was influencing me. But can I tell you something? There's some people you probably shouldn't be hanging out with if it's keeping you from change. There's sometimes... I've learned this as a pastor. Sometimes I got to count the cost when I see the phone. I'm just going to tell you honest. When someone calls me, I'm counting the cost. Because I know it's either it's going to be a long conversation or it's a guy told that he needed change and he hadn't changed. He's in trouble and his wife's fixing to kill him. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm assessing. I'm thinking, okay, I don't have time for that right now. I'll call him back. I've had people, you don't know I need it right now. Well, listen, whatever it took you a lifetime to do, you think I'm going to change in five minutes? I mean, Jesus works miracles, but I ain't that good. If you're going to change, you have to keep it simple and you have to commit to only a few basic steps. See, we think change. I got to do all that. It's just overwhelming. You don't know. No, let's do one thing at a time. Love your wife. It'll change your life. Can you stop thinking about yourself? Come on. Kind of like that Toby Keith song. He just wants to talk. But she's doing all the talking. And he goes, what about me? What about I? What about number one? You know what I mean? And he's just, I mean, I've seen the video. I remember, okay? I don't listen to him. That I did like him for the inaugural. But anyway, just let me get back to preaching. See, the first step towards anything is getting some it, to get somewhere is you got to decide you're not going to stay where you're at. There's a there's a um, there's a, uh, a an app called YouVersion, which is the Bible version. There's over 250 million downloads of YouVersion. My question: How many of them are actually reading it? You understand me? You can have it. It's kind of like the old car thing when we were kids it's all show and no go but see when when it comes to change less is more god doesn't just tell you what you gotta do it gives you a list you know go well we're gonna change it's one thing at a time i remember one time but i'd gotten saved been about a week and i'd stopped smoking dope for a week that was a miracle in my life okay 
And I was working for John Chance, who was the world's largest surveying company at the time. I was young. And I remember getting some and making lots of money. I remember helping some guys get some drugs one time. It was really good stuff. And when you're in the drug world, if you get somebody some really good stuff, they're out to pay you back. You know what I'm talking about? Man, if you, if you got me some good stuff, I'm going to get him some good stuff. I'm going to top him. And I'm driving this guy. He goes, hey, man, I need a ride. I'm bringing him home. And all of a sudden, he's, and I'm fixing to go to church right after this. And he lights one up. And I didn't see him. He's, and he goes, Bubba, this is, hey, man. I go, no, man, no, 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 no. He asked me about seven, eight times. And finally, I just went. <laughs> Dropped him off. I felt so guilty. I felt so shameful. I said, God, I don't want to go back to that. I remember walking into church. People just started loving me. Now, listen, one thing about church is pastors. One thing you learn to do, you smell your sheep. Some people come. I've had people come drunk. Hey, man, the bubble, that was so good. I don't remember what you said, but it was good. I mean, you didn't want to light a match because they were going to blow up. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And, I'm, and, it, and it's like, I remember I probably smelled my eyes were dilated. You know, he had that look. You know what they did? No one goes, you little rotten man. You're not going to make it. You know what? People just loved me. And it gave me the opportunity to be honest and just start sharing. Hey, man. Because I felt safe. I felt secure. And when I felt that I was safe and I could be secure, I could feel like I could be successful. Does that make sense? Because let me tell you something. God has a dream for your life. It's good and it's perfect and it's pleasing. And God wants to help you. And what you've got to do, you can't assess yourself. You've got to be motivated and touched by the love of God and knowing that, you know what, it, it, it's, got to be, it's got to be God coming in, into your life. You can't change alone. You, got to, you, can't, you, you just can't change by yourself. You need people in your boat. Amen? You need fellowship. And some people, well, I've got enough fellows in my ship. Well, there might be some you need to kick out, but there's some you need to invite in. And see, you don't change alone. You have to get around people who encourage you, pour some courage into you, and love you and call you higher. I just free, finished reading a book. It's, it's, a, it's a good book. It says, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, the name of the book. It's about a guy who was raised Muslim all his life. And great family, great mom and dad loved him. They did everything they were supposed to do as good Muslims. And he got to college, and, he, and this Christian guy started talking to him and loving on him and sharing with him and kind of, you know, they were both very intellectual. Long story short, he said, you know, I had to come to three things in my life that all Muslims have to come to. He said, first of all, I never believed that Jesus died. Because in the Muslim faith, they say this, is that when Jesus was, they took him off the cross, because most people that, that die on a cross stay there all day. They took him off quickly. They didn't break his bones. And what they did is they poured the myrrh and the oil and the frankincense over and he was revived. And he moved to India and started preaching. That's just what they, that's what their Elams tell them. And he said, so we knew he didn't die. So we knew he didn't, we don't believe in the resurrection. And the next thing is we don't believe that Jesus could die for the sins of the world. That God would send his son. And he said through this journey. The whole book's about the journey that he had to come through himself. And realize that Jesus did die for him. 
And there was a resurrection. And God gave him power over his lifestyle and his sin and the habits that he had in his life. But for a Muslim to give their lives to God, there was something he began to talk about. He said, you know, I had to come to that point as, as a Muslim. I knew that my parents that loved me and then I loved them, had a great relationship, were going to reject me. Consider me dead. And the scripture came to unless you unless you love me more than you love your mother, your brother, your sister, you go down the list. Can't have any part of me. And, he, and the Bible says, is if you deny me before men, I'll deny you my, before my father who lives in heaven. How many of you heard those scriptures? That we know them, but do we really live them sometimes? And he had to come to that point where we all have to come. You have to give up your life in order to receive his life. Amen? And this is not a, a platitude or a cliche. The gospel is calling you and me to die. That's what it calls us to do. And it causes, and the only way we die is we know that there has to be change. See, Peter's story, it can be your story. It can be my story. God loves you, and he made you. He knows what you're like. He knows your patterns. He knows when you kind of come to a point where you kind of like, you get discouraged. Or you feel like doing something. He knows when the inner jerk's trying to come out of you. Because we all got it, don't we? But here's what God wants to do more than anything. He wants to give you the courage that you can change. There's areas in your life. When you got came here this morning, there was things. When Jamie asked people to come and to be prayed for, it's about change. I can't keep living the way I am and be fulfilled. I need some change in my life. Does that make sense? You came here today because you needed God to touch an area, a, re, a, a place in your life, or you needed to hear a word that was encouraging, that would help you to get through your week, get through your day. That would get you in the word, that would cause you to go, you know what? God is with me. And if God is with me, who can be against me? And, you know, if God's with me, then I can go to work and I can have the joy of the Lord and it would be my strength. I can, even if there's people that just look like, you know, just people that have the, just, Depressed. All the time, they've got the mopes. How you doing? That I can walk in that. And I can have the power of God, the joy of God. Then in my marriage, God, Lord, there's got to be some things changing my marriage. And God's going, hey, this is the day. Things can change. But I've learned this in marriage. You got, you know, the most mature person in your marriage is the one that's willing to say, we need to change, baby, first. That's the most mature one. Or saying, I'm sorry. Or getting real. Getting honest. Not holding on to things that you've been trying to hide and think that, you know, it'll just pass. It's coming to that point where you go, it's time to get brutal.